Welcome to the Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of CFE's news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we are waiting for the impending patch. In fact, this patch is probably already out if you are listening to this on Monday. Now, I don't know if it's going to go well. I don't know if it's going to go poorly, but we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that came in Season 11. Plus, I want to talk about Skull and Bones because it seems to be affecting a few people out there in the YouTube-verse, in the Twitter-verse. And I just want to, like, talk a little bit about that, as well as some true achievements notifications that we got recently. All that and more in this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. All right, Pirates, before we do that, let's get into the Patreon call-out for this episode. I want to shout out everyone that went over to patreon.com forward slash Keel Podcast to show their support for this content. So, thank you to People's Republic, Elcute, Balls, Blue Turtle V1, Captain Chonky, Captain Hatchet, Captain Hayes, Captain Longshark, Chateau Neuf, Super Pack, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Static Mirror, Iron John, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Godhammer 6, I'm Dependent Now, Jorby Jorbs, Jay Hood, Carl Embo, Kazia the Aficionado, Cryptic Slayer, Lumpy SRQ, Evil Morpheus, Space Admiral Ors, Xbox Mike 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Nipperkim, Norwegian, Raja the Brave, Registella the Brony Pirate, Replicated Flame, Rustbelt Kid, Skamelt, 666, Captain Dasm, Tommy D, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Adorable, Mina Fairy, Anthony N. Jr., Captain J. Rat of the Flaming Cold Sore, The Lore Chronologist Dead Eye Dre, Heger Owl, Jeff H., Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruskidoo, Thor Von Blitz, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and Zam Wow. Thank you all so much for your love, for your support. And uh, yeah, let's get into this episode. Just a reminder for you pirates out there, we got ourselves a nice little community weekend coming up. So if you look to your left, you'll see some nice little drops. Those are coming in courtesy of Twitch partners. And if you look to your right, you have free login bonuses and reputation gains. Make sure that you all are paying attention to the overhead signs, letting you know when there are reapers and fleefs out there. This has been your pirate service announcement. We let you get back onto your regular scheduled program. Hey, everyone. I hope you guys are having a good time. Uh, you may have heard that there is a uh, patch coming. And if you haven't, then uh, you might want to be aware there's going to be some major, major downloads coming up. So we are assuming that they mean pretty much like 50 gigs. I actually don't know how big the patch size is. And unfortunately, the, the patch notes are not going to be out until after this recording. But I did want to talk about some of the stuff that has been going on because we have actually seen that there are quite a few uh, downtimes this uh, last week. It was it was kind of surprising to see just so how, how many announcements actually came out as a result of uh, them bringing down the servers and, and then sometimes not bringing down the servers, but saying they were going to bring down the servers. There was a lot to uh, to kind of uh, take into account here. So. Just to let you all know, um, the uh, patch is going to be coming in. This is mostly going to affect the back end of Sea of Thieves. There shouldn't be too many changes, but we do know that they are bringing in those sweet, sweet loots uh, coming in for the the raid of voyages as well. Very excited to kind of see like what the new kind of um, 
I guess mix of loot is going to be like how much more they're going to be bringing in, how how they took uh, community feedback into account, and just kind of see like how things play out and see if people really jump onto the raid voyages and stuff. Because I think uh, for the time being, I think the probably um, what's it called? Not the raid, but the um, the the oh gosh, the Ashen Lords. Were kind of the thing that i think most people kind of gravitated towards i think those were kind of like the easiest to kind of knock out since they're not wave based um but it's been definitely very interesting to see um how people have been taking the rest of the season 11. Uh, i think falcor put out an interesting video there was some sea of science that came out that basically showed that if you bury loot and you do a dive that loot sticks with you persistent through the the server or through at least the dive i i believe and um i would just advise maybe against that uh it, it is it is something that it doesn't seem as though rare had anticipated that that was something that was going to happen as a result of uh the up the, the latest changes to the way loot works and the way dives work um so i would just if you didn't know about it don't worry about it but if you did know about it i would be careful not to do something like that because while rare tends to be pretty um relaxed about like bans for things like that uh it's it is something that you know i would not get too accustomed to um, just kind of as a like a you know little heads up there. Um, outside of that, though, uh, I am very happy to see that we are getting this patch. I, I really do. I'm super curious to kind of understand maybe what's going on with it. And uh, I wanted to give a bit of an update um, to last week's episode, which kind of talked about PlayStation and Sea of Thieves and how that's going to come out, um, or or if we we got any news. We didn't hear from. Um, Phil Spencer. Well, we did hear from Phil Spencer and the team kind of talking about their update. Um, they came out with a business strategy update and they announced that yes, four games would be coming to other platforms uh, than they than what's currently available right now. Um, the kind of understanding is is that it's going to be two games that have been uh, community focused games and then two that are more smaller titles. The um, Rumors right now, which I hate to report the rumors, but these actually make a lot of sense, is that it's going to be uh, Grounded, Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, and Sea of Thieves. So for all intents and purposes, this does not really impact what you all will be experiencing. Uh, if anything, you're probably going to run into a hefty amount of new players on the seas that have no, no clue like how to play the game. Uh, and you might see social media kind of pop up uh, as, as a result of that, with more people kind of talking about like what they, what they're learning or what they're not learning. Um, so I would be, you know, kind of aware of that as you're, as you're going in from your day to day, chances are, you probably won't even be able to tell the difference between like the Xbox players and the PlayStation players. Uh, but it did call into question, how is it going to work for Xbox players that are playing on console, um, with controller on servers that are just for that play style? Uh, the the Xbox only servers will PlayStation players be lumped in with them, um, which I assume is kind of the case. But I imagine the verbiage of those will probably have to change to console players with controller as opposed to playing with Xbox players with controller. Uh, there's also been some interesting discussion kind of around like if we'll see any cosmetics that kind of tie into a PlayStation a copy you know if there's any kind of thing that might come as a result of that uh given that hi-fi rush has been data mined we've seen that there have been some t-shirts 
that that can be acquired in there that are kind of alluding to the different consoles that they're going to be made available on with Nintendo Switch and PlayStation and potentially Epic um, as some of the other places that you'll be able to pick up Hi-Fi Rush. With that being the case and the business update that came as a result of the, the uh, you know, Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond and Matt Booty interview with um, Tina Amini, who's a fantastic journalist over at Xbox now, um, kind of hearing how they approached it. They didn't want to announce what the games were going to be like they didn't actually want to say which four games were actually going to be the ones that were going to other platforms they said that this was just them kind of expanding the player base because the 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 industry if you guys don't know the industry at the moment has been very volatile people have been losing jobs left and right there's been a lot of layoffs there's been a lot of closures and a lot of games canceled and the the only way to really combat the earnings that they are trying to make Um, which you have to separate like Microsoft from Xbox because they operate off of financial, different financial, um, like, like I I can't really explain. I'm not really good at explaining that, but effectively you still have to make money, even if you're part of a very, very um, uh, high valued company, because uh, right now, like the, the, the value cap for Microsoft is very high, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's how much they've made. That just means how much they're worth. Um, so there's been a lot of like confusion around there. It, not that it really matters to, to people that are playing the game, but one of the things was is that the reason why they're looking to do something like this is because it would either be raise the price of the consoles, raise the price of Game Pass, raise the price of games, can, uh, fire people, cancel projects, close studios, or get a broader audience than who are currently buying and playing the games that you have. So for the the start of this, they wanted to kind of say like, hey, we're going to pick four titles that have either been out for a while or are smaller titles that we don't mind being on other platforms to try and increase the revenue to be always positive, always earning more than you're spending, because that's that's how you maintain a healthy company, right? You, you want you want to be earning more money than you're actually spending so that you don't go into the red. And that's kind of the impetus of like Black Fridays. You you liquidate a lot of old stuff before the new year so that you can try and make sure that you're in the black. Um, but needless to say, uh, I don't think that this is going to impact you all as players in any way. Um, if anything, it might open it up so that you start having folks that aren't in the current ecosystem uh picking up sea of thieves and playing with them you might start finding that other people that you haven't played with in a while that may be more playstation centric uh have access to it now and maybe jumping in um there's rumors that the nintendo switch successor is going to be coming out in 2025 and that the current specs speculation around like the the hardware side of it is that it's going to be somewhere between like a ps4 and a ps4 pro or like a xbox one and xbox one x like it's it's going to be somewhere around that mid-gen refresh for gen 9 and if that's the case then there would be a good argument for a, a, a sea of thieves port over to switch which might bring in a lot more people that were interested i mean if if you look For me, it was definitely something that I've always wanted. Um, In fact, it's something that I wanted since, you know, 2019, 2018, um, back before we had things like the Steam Deck and the the Asus ROG Ally. 
uh, and all those different, you know, handhelds. Now that we have those handhelds, it's a little less necessary to have it, but it was always one of those things like in the back of my mind, like, ah, you know, it would be cool if we had CFE's portable that wasn't on our phone because for the time that it, that, that was, you know, that time period, phone access and phone like data and stuff was just not reliable enough to really justify it out on, on, you know, 4G. Uh, we had 4G LTE, um, I think kind of sparingly back then. That's a good, I can't quite remember when we got LTE and 5G's kind of alleviated a lot of this pain. You know, if you have 5G in a good coverage area, you can kind of do some streaming on your phone. But personally, I don't feel like that has always been the experience that I'd I'd want to have with Sea of Thieves. I'd always want to have like a much nicer experience. Um, but needless to say, having something like a Switch 2, uh, most people generally have two consoles. Uh, very few people are just operating off of three consoles. And, and you know, there's a, a, a majority of people probably that are just working off of one console. So having the folks that are that are either dual dippers in the ecosystems to get your your exclusives picking up Sea of Thieves as well, especially if they're just like a Nintendo centric person, I think it would be fantastic. I think it'd be really cool because, you know, you look at Diablo, you look at Hollow Knight, uh there there are third party amiibos out there. And those third party amiibos, I mean Blizzard has um connections now with nintendo to get uh, amiibos made they made that loot goblin one which was a really cool little diablo 3 amiibo they haven't come out with a diablo 4 amiibo i would love that but then again diablo 4 isn't on switch but it could be with uh switch 2 and if a switch 2 comes out and it's powerful enough to run diablo 4 it's powerful enough to run sea of thieves I don't see why we couldn't start getting some uh some some actual sea of thieves amiibo something better than the um uh, what's it called? The the uh, Kotaku or no, not the Totaku. I can't remember what the name of the uh, brand was, but PlayStation and or there was a brand of of like little figures that were kind of like Amiibo, but they didn't have they didn't serve any function. They just were like the same size and shape and design style, but they had different brands in them. And one of them was the the Gold Order. In fact, if I turn around while I'm recording, which is a really dumb thing to do when you're trying to get good audio quality, is I, I see behind me the little Gold Order figure that I had back in 2019 when I made that video. And um, I think it'd be kind of cool. I think it'd be really, really fun. I, 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 I've constantly been asking for Rare to actually produce figures, um, whether they be, you know, like the nine inch uh, you know, plastic figures that that a lot of companies do for collector's editions. You know, we've never never had a collector's edition for Sea of Thieves. This was a brand new IP. They had not that they didn't have that much faith in the game to do a collector's edition. You know, we're not getting like smartwatches for 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 Todd Howard here to be able to say like, oh yeah, Sea of Thieves is going to be so good. You're going to get a real working compass. That's Sea of Thieves brand. It's going to be all digital. And you're going to love it. You know, we, we didn't get anything like that. We got a, we got other stuff. We got controllers and whatnot, which is still really good. Which, by the way, where's our other controller? I thought we were going to get another controller. They said on a podcast, we're working towards getting another controller. I don't see any controllers. I'm, 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 I don't know what's going on with that. By the way, um, I'm working on a review. Uh, side tangent, now that I think about controllers. Uh, I got a, a review copy from Turtle Beach uh, for the Stealth Ultra. So if anyone has any questions about that, uh, let me know. I've been playing with one for about 30 hours now, and I'm trying to get more time in on it to kind of feel like what it's like. Some of you guys may have played with me and heard some of the auto, audio quality. So I'm looking for folks to help me uh, help me test audio stuff with that, um, just because I want to get a good gauge on how that actually 
is represented when playing on Xbox. So that'll help out. Um, outside of that, thanks to the people that did kind of respond to a lot of the stuff that you guys were talking about um, or that I talked about last week. It was nice to see that. I got off on a tangent. What was I talking about? See if he's on the Switch. Yeah, I'd love to have it. I think it's definitely coming for PlayStation. Probably nothing major to be checking out. But one of the things that I wanted to actually bring up, the reason why I was actually bringing this up has to do with true achievements. Um, and it's interesting to me because looking at the uh, latest article that came out, there were some changes to Sea of Thieves. And uh, you may not have realized this. It may not have even been something that, have, that would have caught your attention. But because True Achievements, which is the website uh, that tracks all of your achievements in, in Xbox games, which a lot of people are fine kind of logging in and giving them your credentials and access to your profile and stuff. Um I, I don't really, I don't really like to do that personally. Uh, I've never had the issue come up, but there have been questionable moments where I've been playing something that's under NDA and I don't really like that access getting out. If you guys remember back in the day, uh, some of the rare employees were hooked up to true achievements on their home systems and they logged in and true achievements scraped their data and pulled out all the information about the updated uh, achievement list for GoldenEye 007 for, for the N64. And that's how he knew that GoldenEye was going to be coming out on Xbox. And that and then eventually it did. And it came out on the digital version of Rare Replay. You can still buy it separately. But we, we found out about that because of a leak. Because True Achievements scrubs your profile every time you log in. And sometimes that's that's sensitive information especially if you're reviewing games for stuff so i think true achievements is fine for anyone that is just like i don't care i don't i don't have anything to hide or i don't need to keep anything under nda uh you know no no contracts here for me so it's a good way to kind of have your stuff um logged but one of the things that uh got changed was sea of thieves achievements um, and the title in, in shout out to Sean Carey over at true achievements, they typed this up. So it was nice to kind of have them, um, says it appears that rare has been tinkering with sea of thieves achievements, new achievements that were previously added in season 11 have now been ha now had their requirements and gamer scores values drastically altered and a new season, uh, or a new identical set of season 11 achievements have now been pushed to the Xbox network. Last month, last month, Rare added six new achievements to the Sea of Thieves with the start of Season uh, 11. These achievements were completing tutorial voyages, earning a distinction in a trading company, and using the new fast travel feature, that's the dives, to complete voyages. Each achievement was worth 40 gamer score, but now these achievements have been updated, and you may have noticed that your gamer score total has gone down as a result. The original Season 11 achievements, which you may have already unlocked, are now worth zero gamer score each. You'll also find that the requirements for each achievement have been changed to a rather generic, quote-unquote, pay a visit to X outpost. Strangely, Rare has also released the original set of Season 11 achievements again, which we have merged with the zero achievement list to keep things simple over at um, True Achievements. And I'm going to have a link to this article in the show notes if you want to read through that. <clears throat> they say that the achievements have the same names and the same requirements and the same gamer score values as previous, which means that the total gamer score for Sea of Thieves remains un changed and some of these are things like the wonder of plunder pay a visit to the towering plunder outpost 
seeking sanctuary pay a visit to the beautiful sanctuary outpost and the gamer score for a lot of these ones to visit outposts are zero gamer score and then you have other ones that are like pirate distinct or pirate of distinction earn a distinction in any trading company for 40 gamer score uh just getting started complete tutorial voyage for gold hoarders merchant alliance and the order of souls for 40 gold and if you remember some of these were ones that are kind of retroactive so if you've been playing the game for any length of time and done any of these things in the past you will have earned the uh the 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 achievement retroactively um and the the point of this i think um so I'll finish up with the article here. So uh, they go on to say, Sean goes on to, to type out and says, uh, we're not exactly sure what's going on here, but from what we can tell, Rare had some sort of issue with the Sea of Thieves achievements randomly unlocking not long after Season 11's launch. Developer had to disable achievements for all players, only recently lift that suspension for all but the Season 11 achievements added in January. And in-game warning in Sea of Thieves says that progress for achievements is still being tracked, so hopefully you won't need to go back and complete the same achievements all over again. The thing that I wanted to bring out about this ties into the PlayStation stuff because a lot of questions have been coming over from PlayStation uh, fans to me to kind of ask, you know, like get a gauge on on what the platinum for Sea of Thieves would look like if they were to make a platinum. And my response has always been, well, Sea of Thieves is no longer a 1000 gamer score game. So it's not going to be something that's a lot uh, that's as easy as most traditional games that only have 1000 gamer points. Um, so to 1K Sea of Thieves, in this case, is going to be 5,210 gamer score. And some of these can tend to be kind of grindy. That was something that I was always kind of uh, frustrated with when you look at Sea of Thieves as a whole, because some of these achievements come down to um, the number of voyages that you actually complete when you're playing the game. So if I wanted to say, like, take a look at some of these, let me see if I can find uh, some achievements real quick and of course I click out of the thing that I that I actually wanted to check out um, looking at some of these let's take a look those are all completed those are all completed I'm trying to find some of the ones that I haven't that I know I'm close on because of just the the sheer amount of things that you or, or like completion uh, you have to hit for for some of these so like um, do 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 this is oh that's monkey island so so let's see uh the merchants trade on any route along each uh sunken loot so let's see uh, receive the commendation for completing 250 merchant alliance voyages only 0.02 percent of gamers have unlocked this i am stuck at 78 percent uh which i've been working on so when i've been asked by playstation fans you know, if Sea of Thieves comes to PlayStation, what's the Platinum going to look like? And I and I, I tell them honestly, I'm like, there's going to be a lot of grinding. You're going to have to do a lot, especially depending on how the Platinum is set up. Uh, some of these are like owning 15 ships. I'm at 60% for that. So, I mean, I've only got like eight ships. And uh, it, a lot of it's probably because I'm not really thinking about focusing on that kind of stuff. Uh, completing 100 Legend of the Veil vale quests, only 0.01% of gamers have unlocked that. I'm at 55%. You know, it takes a while for a lot of these. And unless you're playing Sea of Thieves only, it's going to take quite a while for you to do that. If you're playing any other game and you're trying to focus on this, it's going to take a hot minute for you to be able to get some of these done, um, depending on, on you know, your dedication to it. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you know, that's the point. That's the goal. Yes, 
you are intended to do that. It is an online game. It is a game as a service. You are, are supposed to do that. It's not going to be anything that's quick. It is going to be something that you have to dedicate yourself to. But seeing that they are changing achievements, I don't know if it's because of the issues that they've had with that. Very, very possible that that is, you know, Occam's razor. The the, the simplest answer is usually the, the correct one. Um, in this case, I wonder if maybe the reason why they've changed some of these, especially like pay a visit to, to uh, Plunder Outpost for zero gamer score. I wonder if some of these they're, they're using as ways to fix some of the problems that they've done with, uh, with the, the achievements that they've had, or if some of these are them potentially working towards creating uh, trophies that are lower tier that don't necessarily mean anything, but just kind of fill out the ranks of, of trophies that they would want to put in a group to say, like, you have to be able to do these to earn the platinum. And because they can't, they don't want to increase the gamer score any more than they already have. These are what you would put in as kind of fillers. And they're not hard, you know, it's just like go to a trading or, you know, earn it or, or go to a, a, an outpost. Well, pff, congratulations. You do. You do that enough times just by logging into the game, you're going to be good. So not a big deal, but that'll probably be like a bronze trophy. Um, it remains to be seen. All of this is purely speculation. I just wanted to kind of toss this out because I thought it was interesting, um, given that they've had issues with the achievements and, and maybe it was tied to the way that those were implemented with season 11. It could be just them trying to get things prepped up. We've seen a lot of tutorials come out for season 11. Makes sense that they would want people to accomplish those and that if they were going to do that you know that'd be a trophy so um really love the idea that you know more people are going to be able to play the game from what i've heard uh from from people that you know if this is going to be something that's going to happen it doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of overhead for uh for for, for the team it seems like this is something that they should be able to do without any any kind of um delays in content i think would be a good way to address it we don't know that for sure but we know that that is kind of the goal that i that we would like to have you know obviously i, I don't want to lose content because they are are working on a port for other other systems you know that's kind of like my selfish desire things like that um so but that's kind of what i wanted to get across with uh this this topic So while the rain is coming down outside, I thought I would take this moment to dive into Skull and Bones. Um, this has been an interesting launch. Uh, as many of you might know or might be aware, Skull and Bones came out on Friday. Uh, there was early access uh, through the premium version, which was $100 compared to the normal $70. And they had the open beta uh, that was before that. And the open beta kind of just rolled into the uh early access and then into the actual launch uh the early open beta had people carrying over progress so anything that you tried in the open beta was carried over to the actual game if you didn't buy the premium edition you had to wait a few days before you could actually jump back into the game and it's been very interesting um this has been in development for at least 10 years at this point it started right around the time that uh sea of thieves did back in like 2015 and overall um it's been very very unique to kind of see this experience 
And I, I want to say that I feel bad for the dev team um, because they've been going through a lot. There's been a lot of layoffs, a lot of change over at the studio. And they've genuinely just been trying to make this game. It's something that they have worked hard on. Uh, they've brought in a lot of Sea of Thieves communities, uh, content creators to be able to like, you know, kind of promote the game, give people an idea of like what, what it's like, what they're going to be able to enjoy, get some questions answered to be able to better field when they come into uh, the game and, and actually have people asking questions. One of the hardest questions streamers can ask is, you know, like, how is this game or, or you think this game is any good? Um, so having more information going into it just kind of helps out. And I'm looking to see if I can get Fuzzy on uh, in the future so that he and I can kind of sit down because we had a uh, that whole plan to kind of talk about um, Arena and Hourglass, but also now that Skull and Bones is out, I want to jump in with him and kind of see like what his perspective has been uh, as a content creator for it. For myself though, I've noticed that Skull and Bones is getting a lot of flack. Um, one of the the Ubisoft guys came out and said that they're very proud of their quadruple A game, not doing them any favors at this point. Um, I, I think that Skull and Bones is going to be uh, a game that, that does fairly well for a while. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think it's going to be a game that um, is really going to translate over for people who like Sea of Thieves for what Sea of Thieves is because you just you just don't really get that same feel with Skull and Bones. And Skull and Bones is a very different beast. And I think that there's room for both. Um, obviously, you know, like right now, I, I, I don't think that uh, PlayStation fans really have that opportunity to play a game that's like um, Sea of Thieves yet. And I think that'll come, but I, I think it's going to be a, a, a while still probably at least until um, the summertime, if at the earliest, but who knows. And playing through it, uh, kind of impressions for right now, I'm probably going to talk more about it for like XCP and stuff because we got uh, review codes uh, to, to be able to, to get into the game. And I've only had about maybe, mm, actually, I'm not quite sure how long I've actually been able to get into it, uh, unfortunately. So I don't know what my number would be for, for Skull and Bones, but I would say probably around, overall, I would say probably around 15 to 20 hours has been my experience over the time, uh, just depending on like what game, you know, like at what point have I been playing it kind of thing. But it's not an Assassin's Creed game. Um, I don't think that they're trying to be an Assassin's Creed game, but because of the nature of the studio and what's come into the in before that, Skull and Bones is getting compared to that a lot. And it's a shame because I don't think that it's necessarily fair to be judged based on, you know, its predecessor. I think it should be judged on its own, um, given, uh, you know, in, there's always going to be people out there saying like, oh, well, look how good Assassin's Creed Black Flag looks compared to Skull and Bones. And it's like, yeah, but it, there's there's so many other things that could contribute to why a game looks the way it does. Should it even be judged based on previous, uh, you know, single player games compared to an open world multiplayer game? Those all things kind of factor in. So I've been playing a fair amount of it. Um, not a, a, a ton. I'm still, you know, dabbling between other titles right now, uh, on top of like Sea of Thieves. But right now, I would say Skull and Bones is doing naval battle in a different way that is interesting and unique. Um, I would say that 
The story is not compelling by any means. Um, it feels very kind of shoehorned in uh, because I think at, 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 at a certain point, this game was not intended to have a campaign. So what campaign there is, is realistically something they were able to pull together in the last few years worth of development uh, to kind of shoehorn in. Um, very much in the in the case that I think when Sea of Thieves first came out, um, Sea of Thieves didn't have really anything for uh, for for people after Pirate Legend. Like there really wasn't a whole lot of Pirate Legend content when it first came out. No, you know, took a few years and uh, a lot of time and effort to to make that you know that Pirate Legend content, and, and it's totally up to people to kind of determine if they've ever really been able to get that but there's a lot of in-game to skull and bones because of the the nature of the game it is very much a an mmo light i would say because of the number of players you can have per server it's not very massive but it is a multiplayer online game and you're going to be spending a lot of your time working on leveling up different ships um, there's going to be different classes of ships with both support and tank and dps and you're going to have to coordinate with people at the end game level to to try and like make sure that any kind of challenges you take on you have people in those roles to be able to uh take on larger enemies and they've got about a year's worth of content uh planned now it's hard to know how much of that is already ready to go uh but the idea is is that with each new season there will be a new kingpin that comes into play and kingpins are kind of the the rulers of the seas. Uh, so when when you become a kingpin, you start getting your own fleets. You start uh, acquiring like resources and supplies and stuff, and you have trade routes and whatnot. And it all kind of funnels into you know your end game uh, plans and what what you plan to do. Whether you do PvP or PVE, it's totally up to you. Uh, it is interesting that um, PvP is opt in, but it's opt in through uh, events, as far as I can tell. But with a power level system, it's going to be tough to know how much people want to engage with that uh, at lower levels, given that at this point, um, with people spending as much time as they have in the game, you're going to run into players who are pretty high level, who have access and the resources to be able to make weapons that are going to fit into a build. And uh, once you have that build, much like any other MMO, um, you're going to optimize it. You know, if you're playing Diablo, you're going to you're going to pick a build and you're going to work on making that build as powerful as you possibly can. And some builds are going to be more powerful than others. And if you haven't focused on that, if you haven't delved into that area of the game, uh, any kind of PvP action that you go in for is going to be stunted, uh, not only based on level, but also uh, kind of based on on your build, um, how you're playing and stuff like that uh multiplayer right now everyone gets their own ship um you can build new types of ships as you move along but you have to earn ranks of infamy to be able to do that by doing quests a lot of the quests right now feel very much like um busy work you're kind of repeating the same thing over and over and over again if you want to be able to slowly raise your infamy uh, I've seen some suggestions where it's better just to sail around and sink as much as you possibly can and just do the the mainline quest chains to be able to open up different trade companies uh per se as as far as like working on different parts of uh the game as far as as you get to a certain point things will open up and then that will expand the amount of uh access you have to different things or a variety of missions and stuff and those will differ based on you know who you're talking to or what what kind of uh 
entity you're working for. But overall, um, I would say that the the game looks good. Uh, it's not great. It's not amazing. Um, I think that there's a lot of fun to be had in it. I think that sailing around with a system that respects headwind uh, the way that, that Sea Thieves does not, whereas you, you really can just kind of sail into the wind the entire time and still make pretty decent progress. Um, with Skull and Bones, you really don't get that opportunity. It's something that they they kind of try to dissuade you from doing because of the, the way that it kind of represents headwind. Um, you know, you kind of put your hand up while you're at the helm and you're kind of covering your face because you can't really see very well and you slow down dramatically so you have to pay attention to that but they also have other resources in there like stamina that you have to use uh food to be able to uh replenish if you're trying to sail fast at the fastest you possibly can uh whereas other foods and stuff can and introduce different buffs you also have a multitude of weapons and those weapons can have augments on them so you can get cannons and those cannons will be uh, just normal everyday cannons, or you can get the same type of cannon that has uh, an, an affix on it that um, increases the amount of damage done to sails. So you can tear sails to immobilize a crew. Uh, you can also use piercing damage to like pierce through hulls and, and uh, kind of cut through braced, which is their, their form of like, um, you know, whenever you brace on a ship, you kind of hunker down and it kind of gives you a bit of a shield that chips away at that resource as opposed to your actual ship health. Um, so you can get piercing to kind of negate that if you want to. You've also got things like flooding or uh, setting things ablaze that can cause you know your ship uh, another ship to actually catch fire or to take on water faster, um, which will be like a it's like a dot that'll kind of tick away at their health if if they're you know flooding. Uh, but overall, it's all kind of designed around the idea of you have different styles of elemental damage and the type of, you know, the type of ship that you build will want to have a relatively even balance of, of types of, of ammunition or, or types of cannons and stuff, whether it be like a ballista or torpedoes. Additionally, the, the higher level ship or the bigger ship that you have, the more uh, weapon slots you can equip. So obviously you can get more power that way. So when things are being reloaded, you can shift your boat over into a different angle to be able to gain access to a different type of weapon, which tends to be a pretty good strategy. But it's going to be something that is so drastically different than what Sea of Thieves is that I don't think that there's going to be either something that will draw people away from Sea of Thieves unless they just have a genuine interest in, in like a pirate game um, or they're just so frustrated with Sea of Thieves but still want to have that pirate aesthetic in the game that they're playing. Uh, I do think that people are blowing out of proportion on social media for the Satan, for the, the, the clout chasing and the, um, you know, the baiting of rage that people want to do to be able to say like, oh, this game is terrible. Look at how bad it is. These are the things that are so, so horrendous. How could you possibly even think that this game was going to be good? And at the end of the day, uh, I, I, I do think that people are going to judge it harshly. And I do think that this game, being that it's a Ubisoft game, um, they will probably end up having a sale on this within six to eight months uh, come next year. If uh, the game is still going strong and they're still putting out content for it, I can I can almost guarantee you that this game will most likely drop in price at some point. Um, 
there is a chance that it may come to Game Pass at some point. Uh, there's also a eight hour trial that you can start up right now if you wanted to. If you wanted to give it a shot, you missed out on the beta, but you don't want to buy it. Uh, there is an eight hour trial that you can get uh, to be able to actually just jump in and give it a shot. I would say that eight hours is a if you're earnest in your in your activities, um, you're trying to actually like see what you can do in the game. Um, eight hours is a, a, a really healthy enough time to be able to determine if Skull and Bones is going to be a game that you're actually going to want to play. Um, I, I would say that if you if you can't figure out like what Skull and Bones is in eight hours, um, chances are you probably won't like it in the in the end game. But there is a lot to that game. Um, I don't I pretend to say that the that the menu system is amazing. I, th- I think that there's definitely quirks to the way it is and how it works. And they're also just dealing with some bugs right now. Uh, there's some some things that are just actually just bugged that will probably be on the top priority list of them to get a patch out soon. But I don't know that they have that ready or if they uh, are waiting for for you know further analytics to be able to pinpoint what's going on with it. But at the moment, they do have some bugs. Not bad, but definitely bugs. And they haven't really addressed that as far as I know. But I'm sure at some point they'll either fix it and not address it or they'll address it and then fix it as soon as possible. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not terrible. I've had a few crashes to the desktop um, or not desktop dashboard. Uh, I've had a few crashes to the dashboard. Uh, I've also had some weird lockups at, at the same time. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's going to depend on how open you are to a different pirate game. Uh, if you're very open to it, then there's probably a good chance that you'll find some fun there because there is there is some fun there. And I don't think that that's I don't think that that's giving anyone false impressions of the game. I, I, I genuinely do think that that game is fun. I've been enjoying my time with it, uh, but it's just a different beast. Um, I was playing. Gosh, I was I was playing this weekend and doing some streaming for it because I wanted to get a pet and I wanted to be able to pass that code on to other people to get them a pet. Uh, and when I got done with it the next day, um, I booted up Sea of Thieves and jumped in to do some solo work on Merchant Alliance. And it just reminded me of how different the games are, how much more I really think that Sea of Thieves um, at its base has really done a smart job of ensuring that the that the water is just beautiful it's breathtaking it genuinely is the best water out there for any games and i and i think that that's probably the best thing you could possibly ask for in a game where you're going to be spending a ton of time on the water uh but there's definitely things that are in sea of thieves that that or that are in skull and bones that could be in sea of thieves so while i was having a really good time kind of sailing around and, and enjoying myself with skull and bones um, I, I did notice like, you know, the graphics just don't look nearly as nice as Sea of Thieves. The style is different. It's, it's just not, it's just not the same. And I don't, I don't think it, it's, it's trying to be Sea of Thieves. I think it's trying to be serious. I think it's trying to be, uh, very rugged and realistic, um, in its, in its approach. And that kind of goes out the window, window, once you get later into the game, you start getting access to, uh, sails and cosmetic types that have like little, you know, glowy features or, or what they call emissives in game development. Um, but if it's effectively just glowy stuff. Uh, they have like ghost fleets and, and ghost uh, livery sets and things like that. 
that I don't really know compare that well to Sea of Thieves. I think that Sea of Thieves does it better, but I also think that they're allowed to because of the style that they chose when they were making the game. Um, but with Sea of Thieves, one of the things that I've noticed with Skull and Bones that I, I would wish would actually come through to Sea of Thieves, and I think this is one of the joys of, of having competing games or competing platforms or whatever, you, you know, competition in general. I think one of the fun things that actually comes from Skull and Bones that would be nice to see in Sea of Thieves is that sense of life in sailing. Uh, you do a lot of sailing in both games. You know, Skull and Bones is is all about the ship. Sea of Thieves is a, a healthy amount of the ship, but also a healthy amount of you being a pirate on an island uh, for the most part. But one of the takeaways that I have for Skull and Bones is marine life. You know, seeing a whale breach and dive back down into the ocean, seeing uh, oddly oversized dolphins uh, you know, swimming by a ship or near an island that is is clearly like way too too small for for the size of these dolphins or porpoises or whatever they are. Um, seeing that kind of life on on Sea of Thieves would be so nice. Uh, you know, you get you get onto an island in Skull and Bones, and the first thing you see is a bunch of crabs scurry away and and bury themselves into the sand. It's like there's little details that. I think would really be a boon to Sea of Thieves. Now, whether or not that, you know, Sea of Thieves as a game can actually handle that as far as like resources and stuff, if that's something that they'd be able to do, I think is a different story. Um, and some may argue, oh, you know, well, we, we have uh, we have sharks in the game. The sharks are, are, are out there in the water, you know, as soon as you jump in, depending on the season that you get into. Uh, you also have things like the Megalodon, which breach as well. But, um, you know, you don't have anything that is just kind of in the life uh, or, or or part of the life in Sea of Thieves uh, that is just kind of benign. It's just there for the sake of being there. It's not trying to be anything signaling something. It's not trying to be something that uh, is an indicator or, or um, you know, it's, it's just atmosphere. And we have some of that. I think the best examples are... Things like bats in the wild, uh, or or uh, birds flying around on um, you know it, I, islands or above uh, above islands and stuff like that, just in, in certain areas. Uh, but we don't really have anything out in the sea that really constitutes uh, a presence. You know, everything that's in the water is dangerous. We don't really have anything in the water that's not dangerous. So it would be nice to see something like that kind of come to Sea of Thieves. Um, more so than just the random mermaid or the ruby splash tail that you find in the water. I'd love to see more marine life uh, kind of come present. And the the fact that we now have some competition that, you know, competent or not, it is still competition. It's still going to be uh, drawing attention from people who want to play a pirate game uh, that may be frustrated with either the state of Sea of Thieves or the design elements that um, allow players to hunt someone down for the sake of hunting them down and not really offering any reward for the, the, the loser in that situation. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, bad bag to, to be dealt or a bad hand to be dealt and a bad bag you want to walk around with when you lose everything and see a thieves, at least with skull and bones, um, you know, resources and stuff. That's all one thing. Uh, you can get resources fairly easily in the game. Uh, treasure. If you're, if you're trying to get treasure turned in for the sake of, a reputation or, or just gold in general. Um, those are types of things that can really sting. And I haven't really felt that in, see or in Skull and Bones because at the moment, Skull and Bones 
when you sink, your stuff is there. And yes, people can come and get it, but because a majority of the game, you are just interacting with NPCs and, uh, you know, like NPC ships, uh, it's less likely that you're going to lose out on all the stuff that you had. But you do have to keep that in mind. You do have to have that kind of awareness when you're sailing out and about, you know, like how many ships are, are around you. Uh, are there fractions that you're you're currently hostile with um, in the vicinity? And if they are, how are you addressing those? And it's... Uh, it's interesting. It's a unique thing. I don't, I don't think that they really punish you for working both sides, the, uh, both sides of the fence on this, which is kind of a shame because I think, you know, as someone who is consistently, uh, pillaging and plundering, um, ships and towns in that game, it doesn't seem like anyone's really upset with you about it. So the whole thing feels very superfluous. And at that point, you have to kind of ask yourself like, okay, well, how invested in the world am I? And it's hard to be invested in something like that, but the opportunity is there. Uh, there's still there's still a, a sense of um, working towards a goal, even if that goal is to be true pirate and just take what you can and give nothing back. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I think it's uh, very, very nice to be able to have that as an option. But at the end of the day, it's going to be very difficult for um, me to care about the story of Skull and Bones, if that's something that they're genuinely hoping for, uh, when I, I can't even tell like who I've murdered and why their, um, their constituents on islands who are giving me quests care that I, you know, I, w I was the person. Like, I've risen enough in, in the ranks of infamy that people are starting to cheer when I get on a dock. They're starting to address me for the things that I've done. And a lot of those things that I've done have been killing tribal members from the different factions or uh, companies, uh, soldiers in the different um, trade companies that are, are present in this area. No one seems to really acknowledge the bad that I've done, uh, except for the fact that they've acknowledged it. Like they they, they haven't processed any of it, so they're not treating me a certain way, both the victims and the victors of, of the, you know, me reaping the benefits of doing all this. And at the end of the day, it just makes me kind of sit here and wonder, it's like, okay, well, no one seems to care about who I'm killing. No one seems to care about what I'm taking, but everyone seems to care about how popular I am. It kind of feels like that weird sense of knowing the popular kid in high school uh, and getting to hang out with them, but not really knowing like why people are being nice to you uh, and if you should care or if there's anything that you can do to become, you know, more popular yourself. So people actually do pay attention and care about you. But it's a, it's, it's an interesting game. Um, I've been talking to uh, the, the reviewer for the IGN version of, of uh, Skull and Bones. They've got about 60 hours into it. And at this point they're kind of set with their friends, but they're still having fun with it. And it was interesting to kind of hear from their standpoint that they're getting themselves kind of prepped for the potential releases coming in the first season, um, as well as subsequent seasons from that. Cause it'll be interesting to know how those all kind of play out. Do people enjoy it. If they don't, uh, what will they do to pivot? But at the end of the day, I think that, um, a fair amount of the CFE streamers are all kind of in the, in the end game at the moment, and many of them are still liking it. So I am going to be planning on hanging out with uh, fuzzy bond. That's kind of like the, I'm setting this in my mind that I want it to get, I want it to be a thing that happens at which point, um, I want to see if there's going to be a good chance 
for us to to be able to talk about both pvp in skull and bones but also pvp in sea of thieves i think that's always going to be a hot button issue um so it's going to be nice to actually like sit down and, and talk about like why he thinks that hourglass failed um and how arena needs to be something that is reconsidered for the future so we'll kind of touch on those and whatnot but also talk about sea or skull and bones because it seems to be something that's going to be um around for a while and we'll probably have to see how that works out but at the end of the day um i would say that if you don't know uh much about skull and bones the best thing i can recommend is don't necessarily worry about reviews go and watch some of the streamers that are playing it because that's going to be probably the most pure version of what you will actually experience uh and it's going to be something that is totally on to you um, I would say that this game is worth it. I don't know if I would say that this game is worth it for the price, but that's me speaking from my perspective with the wallet that I have. However much money it is in your region, if that is enough to warrant jumping over onto it, don't feel like you're not going to get a lot of game because I, I do think that this is something that has a lot of game to it. Um, I don't know how valuable all that time is because I, I definitely will say that there's a fair amount of sailing where you're just going from point A to point B on a map. But the fact that you have fast travel tends to alleviate some of those issues uh, just to be able to focus in on what you actually want to do in that game. Very interesting at the end of the day. I, I knew that it was going to be an interesting game to kind of compare to Sea of Thieves. But once we actually kind of got our hands on it and we've been able to see like what the mid to late game is going to look like, I got to say there's really nothing here that is going to feel like Sea of Thieves for fans of Sea of Thieves that are looking for a fresh take on a pirate game. This is very much going to be something that if you are into MMO games that have power progression and allow you to build up a ship based on having a, a set type of, of uh, artillery that kind of that works for what I guess you would like out of it. Um, I think then you'll probably enjoy it. I would definitely say to expect that this is a lot more like a world of warships than an Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And I would say that there's very little outside of the, the sense that these are both pirate games that you're going to really be able to compare those two. So let me know if you have been playing it, if you've been enjoying it. Um, I'm pretty sure I still have the Merlin uh, marsupial code, I think is what it is. I, I can't remember what type of animal it is. It's got a tail, but um, it's not a marmot, that's for sure. Uh, but definitely let me know. If that's something that you're interested in, because I think I still have uh, uh, that code that it will it will work for a fair amount of people. So if you missed out on one of the Twitch drops to be able to get that, um, and you weren't streaming at the time, uh, I think I, I I think it'll work for for just about everyone. I don't think that there's you know I think I've only had like maybe four or five redeems at this point. So there's still you know 195 ish redemptions that this uh, code is supposedly for. So just wanted to give you all the heads up on that. All right, Pirates. Well, that was kind of my first impressions of Sea of Thieves, uh, or excuse me, Skull and Bones. Um, hopefully, if you have any further questions, I'll have gotten some more time in it that I can actually try and help address some of those uh, or help out or, or at least get you some information from some people who have. Uh, outside of that, 
we're just waiting on that patch for uh season 11 the mid patch i'm very excited to kind of see like what that's like um you know right now i would say that my my graphics card is is able to do quite a bit uh, but it's only getting taxed by about maybe 50% of what the card is capable of. I think it's it's only running at about 50% there. So it's not it's not like it's uh, genuinely getting like super taxed. You know, I'm running uh, 1080, uh, 1080 resolution because of the monitors that I have at 60 frames per heck, per, per heck in second. Um, so it's not like it's, it's, you know, needs to do a lot, but it's at least got some time there, but I am very curious to see like what this update's going to look like, what the uh, new loot is going to look like. Um, and then getting into the community episode this weekend, uh, as well as the, the community uh, weekend, just in general with the increased uh, reputation and gold and stuff. It'll be very interesting. And um, again, I did want to just toss out there, like, by the way, because the community weekend is this last weekend of the month, um, keep an eye on your ledgers. If that's something that you've been working on, if you need to get stuff in your ledgers done, uh, you need to keep up in that top tier. Just keep an eye out because typically when they do these community weekends at the end of the month, it really tends to mess with the positions. And I don't want people to miss out on the top tier because they decided to not play this weekend to play for something else. So just as a heads up, keep an eye out for that. Also, make sure you get your drops, make sure that you get your login bonuses, make sure that you, whatever it is, uh, make sure that you're logging in this time, uh, getting some time in on Sea of Thieves uh, to make sure that you've taken advantage of that. Pirates, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for everything that you do and uh, all the support that you give, all the comments that I see um, from time to time. I always appreciate and I, and I can't wait to look forward to what everyone's going to be talking about in the upcoming uh, community episode this coming weekend so definitely make sure that you're keeping an eye out for that if you have any questions just feel free to let me know um, other than that we're going to see how season 11 rounds out uh, for this first major month and uh, yeah so I think that's going to do it. pirates thank you I love you and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves <laughs>